0: Today we're going to talk about something, and I'm going to i basically want us to talk about a question that I believe will change your life. Now, that might seem very lofty for me to say that, but I firmly believe that this is the question that will entirely change your life. Now, before we jump into it, I want to read a scripture from John chapter one, and then we're going to read another scripture from Mark chapter ten. And the reason is is because Jesus asked this question to two different people. He asked it of people who were truly truly kingdom followers. They were ones that were looking for the kingdom of God. And yet he also asked it to a person who just wanted a simple change in his life. So let's let's jump into this right now. The first uh, scripture is from John chapter 1, verses 35 to 38. It says, The next day... John, I'm talking about John the Baptist, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, there is the Lamb of God. Now, John had the revelation of who Jesus was. It was a cousin of Jesus. He knew that he was both god himself and he knew he was a human and he knew that he had to die in our place that's why he called them the lamb of god he was going to be the the ultimate sacrifice that would bring us back into relationship with god and when the two disciples heard him say this there were two disciples that were following john that actually went on to become two disciples of jesus one of them was andrew he was considered the first disciple of jesus when the two disciples heard him say this they followed jesus Turning around, Jesus saw them following him, and he asked, what do you want? Now, that's a significant question. I looked at all the questions that Jesus has asked in the New Testament. This is probably one of the first, or the first question that Jesus ever asked. Now, it wasn't like Jesus was walking away and saw these guys following him, like, what do you want? What do you, I got no money. It wasn't like that. I believe he was saying, what do you want? It's interesting because it seems like Jesus knows all things, surely he doesn't need to ask that question. Let's go to the second story, and we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, and it says this, as Jesus and his disciples, this is maybe about a year to two years later after that first incident, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man called Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. Why? Because that's what happens when you're, when you're poor. That's what happens when you've got nothing. You have to beg. You've got to get out there and just survive for life. Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why was he deciding to shout? because apparently he had heard about the reputation of Jesus and the things that he does and how he changes people's lives. And he decided he needed this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many rebuked him and told him, shh, be quiet. Shh, you, you, t- t- listen, he's the master, he's the teacher. He doesn't need this lower level life distracting him and getting into his business. You just say where you are. You stay seated and just keep begging. But I love this. And it says, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't decide to be defined by what was going on around him. He knew fine well. He had to make a decision to reach out. He couldn't just depend that Jesus was going to figure it out or that some other kind Samaritan would come along and help him. He had to decide that he had to chase after this got to the point where Jesus stopped and he said, call him, bring him over to me. And so they called to the blind man and they said, cheer up, which seems a kind of an ironic thing. One minute they were saying, they were rebuking him and telling him off for doing things and they're like, cheer up. Have you ever had someone say that to you? You need to smile more. You need to get out of my business. That's what I want to say, right? You need to smile more. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you throwing his cloak aside, which was probably the most valuable to, thing to him, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Now, I don't know about you, but this seems a little cruel, right? You got a guy walking up to you going, hey, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? How are you? And then he goes, what do you want from me? Hey, you got 10 bucks I can borrow? Come on now. He's Jesus, he's God, he's the King of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's made the heavens and the earth. Surely he knows what this guy needs and what he actually wants. But still Jesus, I believe, makes us ask, what do you want? The blind man said, rabbi, teacher, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. He didn't lay hands on him, he didn't sing in tongues, He didn't do any type of rain dance or something. He said, you go because your faith has healed you. You reaching out, you doing something, you taking a next step forward, that's what's brought what you want to you. Did you follow that there? Go, for your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Here's the question I've got for you today that is a life-changing question, and it's this. What do you want? What do you want? Funny thing is, I think that most people think that they know what they want until they're asked the question and now they have to formulate a sentence only to realize, I don't know that I really know what I want. It's a strange situation to be in because I've spoken to pastors, I've spoken to wealthy people. I've been in this place myself. Even the people who seem to be the most successful in life have often struggled with this. People who have gotten so much money have discovered, I'm just not happy. So then what do you want? I don't know what I want. People don't know as much as they want, people don't know what they want as much as they think they do. The problem with this is, if you don't know what you want, how do you know what to aim for? How do you know what your purpose is? How do you know what your calling is? How do you know what your design is if you don't know what you want? And there are so many people that keep searching for this. And I've thought this through myself. I've gone through this process myself. And I want to suggest to you five reasons why people don't know what they want. Five reasons. Here's the first one. Number one, it's because they're focused on what they don't want. Why is that so significant? It's simply because of this. People know what they don't want and they'll tell me, Stories of the pain that they're going through and the difficulty they're going through. I don't want my broken marriage. I don't want my poverty. I don't want to constantly be worrying about my bills. I don't want the sickness. I don't want, and they're telling me all the things they don't want. Very good. What if we take that and we just clear it off the table, make a blank page. You still have a blank page. You still have to figure out what it is that you want that will replace all that junk that you don't want. You see, in the beginning, when God made the heavens and the earth, and it says that the darkness covered the earth, and it covered the the heavens, and there was nothing there but the Holy Spirit just hovering over the deep. They didn't go, God didn't walk around going, I don't like this darkness. I don't like this. It just seems so glum and so depressing, and I don't like this nothingness. He He didn't say that. He decided to speak into being what it was that he actually wanted. He didn't focus on the current situation and difficulties that he's got. He didn't even focus on the past things that have happened to him and things that people had said and things that people had done and all this stuff that has happened to me. He didn't focus on any of that stuff. He focused on what it was that I want. He said, let there be light. Let there be animals. Let there be humans. Let there be fresh air. Let there be stars in the sky. And he started to bring to pass the things that he wanted. Are you following me so far? This is a very simple principle that I believe that we actually have to start focusing on and starting to understand. That the fact is that God wants us to start focusing on the things we don't want and start focusing on the things that he has planted within us which brings me to number two the second reason why people don't know what they want is this they're too busy doing what other people want them to do hello you ever be in that position so busy fulfilling what other people and sometimes i'll ask people what is it you do in life what is it, what you know how do you spend your time and they'll tell me the things that they're doing and then i'll ask them is that actually what you want to do and they'll go no i don't want to do that then why is it that you're doing it? Oh, it's because I think I should do it. It's because it's what my mum my told me to do or it's because that's, that's what I think you're meant to do as a Christian. They start telling me all the things that they're doing that they don't want to do. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times, you know, when, when you've got your children and you tell them to do things that they don't want to do, like clean their room, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's a part of life. There are sometimes things we don't want to do, but God's goal is not for you to spend the rest of your life to doing things that you don't want to do. Jesus said he's come to give life and life to the fool. Yes. So what is it that you're doing? Oftentimes what we're doing is we're living up to the expectations of our family circles, of our cultural circles. We're living up to expectations of what other people are saying. We're living up to our social expectations because this is what I'm meant to do. Listen, that's you living as blind Bartimaeus. You're sitting over in the corner, blind, just begging for stuff, hoping that something will change. Oh, Was well, there someone out there? Is there someone out there? Oh, there is an opportunity over there? Well, I'll just stay here because this is my position in life. This is what I'm meant to do. Everyone is expecting me to do this. They've already told me to be quiet, to sit and still, to not do anything. Listen, what are you doing? It's time that we actually allow this voice to rise up inside of us and go after the things that God wants for us. To go after the things that have been planted inside of ourselves and let our voice go above the social expectations Let our voices go above what we think we're now nailed down to and make it go to the next level. Stop being too busy being about the business of what you think other people want you to do. It doesn't work. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it's good to actually serve other people and to look after other people. You know, you you do want to help other people and give them things that they need, but you can't constantly do that or you'll end up resenting them. Because you're not having the things in your heart fulfilled as well. You see, the fact is God has put dreams and desires in your heart and he wants to see them come to pass. How do I know it? Because he's already told us. Look in Psalms 37 verse 4. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the, what does it say? Desires. Desires of your heart. Not your mom's heart, not your dad's heart, not your pastor's heart not your children's, not your wife's, not your husband's heart, not your boss's heart, but of your heart. What is it that's in your heart? Some of us have not given ourselves the permission to look inside of ourselves and say, what is it that I actually want? Which brings me to the third reason why people don't know what they want, and it's this. They're scared that they're too selfish. Now believe it or not, this is quite a big problem. Some of you may look at that and go, not my problem. But for so many people, it is their problem. In fact, I believe women struggle with this one the most because they're usually very sacrificial human beings. They're so used to giving to their marriage and giving to their children and giving up all the things that they want. But what I find is then that's where unhappy marriages start to exist, that's where unhappy mothering starts to exist. And we wonder what's wrong with our lives. and I just don't have the time and I don't have the ability to to do anything else. I just have to do these things. Listen, God's not designed you to be a doormat for the rest of your life. Hello? I was in Ukraine. I was speaking with a a couple, a pastor's couple, and and, uh, and I was chatting with them and they're going through a difficult time leading their church and running their church and they're just not happy with it. And I said, why are you even leading a church then? Because this is what I think God's told us to do. So then I spoke to his wife and I said, do you even want to be a pastor's wife? And she said, no. And I said, then why are you a pastor's wife? She said, well, because that's what I'm meant to do. And I'm like, who told you you need to do this? Like, well, that's what my husband wants me to do. I said, do you want your wife to be a pastor? And he said, yes. So I turned back to her and I said, do you want to be a pastor? And she said, no. I said, okay, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And she goes, I love business. I want to do something great in business. I said, then you should be a businesswoman. I sound like a genius. <laughs> wow. And their faces changed like, I can do this? Absolutely. Why are you doing something that's not in your heart? So then I turned to her husband. I said, what do you want? And he goes, a pastor's wife. And I said, good news. God can fulfill all things in your heart. Go to God with that request. Take it to him. Stop putting our expectations on other people to have to have them be something for you in order to have happiness. It doesn't work that way. I will be happy when my wife is happy. Good luck. <laughs> I will be happy when my in-laws stop annoying me. Good luck again. <laughs> I discovered this with my wife that years ago, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm like, what is it you want? And she, you know, she really didn't know what she wanted. And, and so when she came across IGM, when many of you know she works for an anti-human trafficking group, she came alive. And when I saw her come alive, I'm like, you're so much better at this than you are at pastoring, right? And I see, I see, I see, came alive in this and fighting human trafficking. She actually became better in pastoring. And what I did as a husband is I invested in her. And I said, I'm going to buy you a nice car and nice clothes so that when you turn up to a rich businessman's office, they think that your husband's really rich, right? And, And I said, I need you to be supported. I need you to become who you're meant to become. And the more that she actually walked in that, her potential came to the surface. Because when you become what God has designed you to be, you'll be more useful for the kingdom of God. Someone shout hallelujah or amen or something. The fourth reason, the fourth reason is this is that usually people are scared of what it will take to have what they want. This is often the tripping point, right? Up to this point, you're like, Peter, I really like what you're saying. It's all very encouraging, but now you're telling me I have to change. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Oftentimes, we don't go after the things that we actually want because we're too scared of what it will take in order to have what we want. But let me tell you, if you were able to have what you want in your current condition, you would already have it. The reason why you don't have it is because you're not ready to receive it. Something needs to change. About seven years ago or so, I was actually in, uh, I was down at a conference run by uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, pastors uh, Hornungs here and uh, I was down there and it's just phenomenal what God's doing down there and I took a... I, I, this year, this the one year actually, I actually usually go with a bunch of people. This one year I just went by myself and I was down there. And I met a guy that I hadn't seen in 22 years who used to know my father in Scotland, but he actually is from way up in the north part of America in Pennsylvania. And I was speaking with him and... Um, And and actually, I'm sorry, I was speaking with him, and I didn't realize who he was. And as we were having a conversation, I suddenly realized who he was. He suddenly realized who I was, and we just had this amazing get-together, you know, just like meet up again. We have not seen each other in 22 years. We both started crying. This is just amazing. You're over here. I'm over there, and God's brought us together. And we were sitting on a bus, and he said this to me. He just went silent, and he, he was sitting on the bus beside me, He turned to me, and he goes, Peter, God has brought us both together in this moment. i got a question for you. What do you need from me? Here was my answer. I don't know. Now, I came back to America, and that answer bugged me. That question really annoyed me because I didn't have an answer. You know what it told me? I wasn't ready. The problem, often with many of us, is that we are not ready to receive what God actually wants to give to us. Recently, we decided as a church, we've, we're about to build a big building. We're gonna take a massive step of faith to build a, a building that's probably gonna be about $8 million. We don't have that money. The good news is I know a guy who does, and his name's God, and he's putting it in our pockets, right, as Pastor Peter says. Don't worry, it's in your pocket. And I'm like, well, it is? Where? Right? But what we didn't do is we didn't say, God, how are we going to do this, right? Because as soon as you say, how are we going to do it, you're already questioning how it's going to be done. What you need to do is say, what's my next step, God? So one of the next steps that God gave to us was this. He said, go invest and sow into another church. So we actually found another church, cool church, little church in in a popcorn, and we realized they needed some money to be able to help fix a part of their building. We said, let's do it. So we were gonna take a chunk of change. I tried, to get in, I tried to get connected to this pastor and I got in touch with him. I'm like, hey, I would love to get together with, for coffee with you. I wasn't gonna tell him what I was gonna do. So I was just want to get to know you. I want to get together for coffee and couldn't get a date with him. So I reached out a second time, couldn't get a date with him. Reached out a third time, couldn't get a date with him. Then I got to a fourth time and he's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it in two weeks time. Let's get, let's get together at Starbucks and we'll do, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up. Fantastic, wonderful. I'm really excited by this. Two weeks comes, I get to Starbucks. I'm sitting in Starbucks, and uh, it's there at 11 o'clock in the morning, five minutes after, 10 minutes after, 15 minutes after. I wonder if he's at the right Starbucks. So I give him a call, and I'm like, hey, I just wanted to confirm we were meeting together at the Starbucks at this location. He's like, oh, dude, I totally forgot about that. I'm actually in Sanford right now, and I I can't make it. And something inside of me said, he's not ready. And it really struck me, and I went back to Crystal, and I'm like, I can't give money away to a pastor. How bad is this? How bad is this that you can't give money to a pastor? And then she said this to me, I wonder how many times we've been in that position. Oh, sting like a bee. That's why God gives you wives. (laughs) I start to consider how many times have I not been ready to receive what God wanted to give to me. I wasn't ready to receive because of this. It's the, first, the fifth reason why people don't know how to answer the question of what do I want. Here's the fifth reason. It's because of this. They don't know who they are. They've not become who they're meant to become. They're not ready to receive what God has got to give to them because they haven't asked, answered the question of who they really are. I remember years ago, I was over in Scotland, I was in the mountains, I was walking around, I felt this, this, this question came in my heart, but who are you really? because I was questioning about what I should do, what am I meant to do in life, but God flipped it around on me and go, yeah, but who are you? And I, so I decided to make a list of all the things that I did, and I'm like, well, I'm a pastor, I'm a musician, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a husband, I'm a writer, I'm all these different things, and I start to list all the things, and here's the thing that struck me. What struck me the most was I was defined by all the things that I did. What if I couldn't do those things? Who are you then? What if God takes away your health? What if he takes away your strength? What if he takes away your ability to pastor? What if he takes away your opportunities? Who are you then? Years later, I was decided that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do because I didn't have enough money. And I was complaining to God. I was telling him he was the worst paying boss. And I felt God say, well, you need to do something. so I decided to get in touch with Rick Strombeck. And I got in touch with Rick Stromberg, and I said, you know what, I just can't do the things I need to do because I don't make enough money. And she said, that's fine, I'll teach you how to do business. So he started mentoring me about 10 years ago how to do business. And so he was learning, I was, I, and what I had to do is I had to go through a change of my behaviors, of my mindsets, of the way that I talk. And about a year later, I went back to him and I said... I said, I think I need to apologize to you. And he said, why? And I said, because I think I've realized I don't like business as much as I thought I did. I don't, I don't know that I'm meant to be a businessman. He said this, he said, you don't think I thought you were a businessman, did you? And I took that insult. And I said, then why did you spend so much time with me? And he said, because you needed to change. You needed to learn some new skills to become what you were really called to be, and that's a pastor. And I'm like, dang, I love this. There are some things you're going to have to do. There are some vocations you might have to get into. There are some places you might have to be. There might be things you don't want to do. There might be things that you're going to have to be a part of that are going to demand a change upon yourself. It's not so that you can get to that part in life and be stuck at another level. No, God's got so many new levels for you. He's got greater things for you. Listen, we have to discover who we are before we'll have the boldness and the trust with God to be able to do the things that He's has called us to do that are way outside of our abilities. You see, Jesus was called to do something that as a human probably wasn't capable for him to do. Before he went into the the, the desert to be tempted by the devil himself, I don't know anyone who's had that much temptation from the devil himself, but I know Jesus did. Before he even went into doing any miracles, before he even went to the cross and had to carry that burden, a burden he didn't want to carry, he asked his father, please take it from me, but not my will. Your will be done. Before he did all of this, this is what happened to him. Listen now. The father had to have a conversation with him. And the father said this, you're my son, and I need you to know how much I love you. And I am so pleased with you. There's three things that Jesus heard from his father. The first one is this, he heard acceptance. He was accepted by his dad. His dad wanted to be his dad. Hello? Many of us, were struggling with what we can do and what we can't do. We're struggling with understanding what we want and do we have the capability of taking hold of what God has called us to do simply because we don't know if we have the backing of God, our Father. I've got news for you. You have the backing of God, our Father. If he's willing to sacrifice his own son for you, how much more do you want? How much more do you need to know that the Father backs you? The second thing he gave him was affection. That's what children need. They need to get hugs and they they bring them in close and go, I love you. I'm with you. Not only do I accept you, I wanna be with you. The third thing he gave him was approval. And he said, I approve of who you are. Wait a second. He hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't even achieved anything. He hadn't gone to the cross. He 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 hadn't healed anyone. No one had been raised from the dead. But already his father is saying, I got your back. You need to hear this today, people. Listen to me clearly. God has your back. He's put those desires within your heart. He wants them to come out. Be bold, be strong, be courageous. Believe that God has called you to do these things. Amen. I want to end on this on this note. I want to end with four questions I want you to start asking yourself this week. The first one is this: four questions. I want you to ask yourself, what do I want? I need you to take some time this week to start thinking about what do I want? Maybe you need to make a list. With my guys, I get them to do what I call an impossible list. A list that would allow all things impossible to be on it, right? Not impossible for God, but maybe impossible for you, and I want you to list it out and tell God what it is you want. It could be anything. It could be, I want to be a lover. I want to be a pastor. I want to be not a pastor. (laughs) I, I I I want to own this house. I want to do that thing. I want to be influence over here. Whatever it is that you want, put it on the list. Maybe some of you need to get a big board and you got to draw out and make pictures and look at it every day. Whatever it takes, take it, get it out of yourself and then submit it to Jesus. See, blind Bartimaeus had to get up and then he had to walk over to Jesus. What do you want? I want to see. He submitted it to Jesus. You follow me so far? What do you want? Get it out of yourself. Get yourself some permission to say what it is that you want. Number two, the question I want you to ask yourself is, what's my next step? Don't overthink it, right? This is what people do. is like, well, I don't know what my next step is. Oh, I get it. Well, I do know what my next step is, but I can't do that next step. And they start giving you all the reasons why they can't do the next step. And usually it's birthed in this question, how will I do that? Stop asking questions, how are you gonna do it? Just ask, what's my next step? Maybe your next step involves the third step, and here's the third step. Who do I need to talk to? Because that's the whole point of the body of Christ. That's the whole point of God giving us resources together and giving us each other. There is always someone you can talk to. There's always a friend. There's always a small group leader. And we are great believers in the power of small groups. And we are on our break right now, but our new semester is about to start in a few weeks' time. And I want to encourage you to get in a small group. You're missing out on explosive growth in your life because you're not allowing yourself to be connected to other people because God chooses to speak to you oftentimes Through other people, hello. Who do you need to speak to? Maybe you need to even say, who do you need to stop speaking to? Who do you need to stop scrolling through on Facebook and listening to their mumps and grumps, right? Who do you need to stop listening to and who do you need to start speaking to? Because God has got a new next step for everybody in their life. And here's the last one. When will I take my next step? Funny thing is, I didn't make this one of the reasons, but this is probably one of the biggest reasons why people don't know what they want. And it's quite simply this, they don't choose to take a next step. I understand the question of what do you want can actually be a little difficult to answer sometime. It can be a little bit difficult to answer because maybe you really don't know what you want. And you're going to have to go through multiple things and before you discover what truly is in your heart. But to discover what truly is in your heart, you're going to have to take next steps. Everybody's got a next step. From the least to the greatest. From the, from the youngest child to even the President of the United States. There's always a next step in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is never Enough, it's never, it's never finished, it's never completed. We never have found the fullness of it yet. It is constantly growing and expanding and you are a son and a daughter of God. And God has a plan for your life. Hello, do you hear me? God has a plan for your life. It's time to get it out of ourselves and start to live that life because I can't afford to get to heaven and regret that I didn't do something more when I was alive on earth. Hello. Now is the time to grow. I'll tell you what my heart's desire is for you. Here's my vision for this church. My vision for this church is that things would happen in the city that it forces people to ask the question, who's that guy? Who is that girl? And the answer is going to be, oh, they come from Northwest." Because Northwest seems to have a vision for souls. Northwest seems to have a vision for kingdom of God. Northwest has a vision for growing this city and growing families. Who's with me, Northwest? Come on now. Let's stand as we finish our service this morning. And if you can do this with me, I want you to raise your hands with me. And if 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 you're not into that thing, that's fine as well. But right now, I want to take a moment to put our hands out like we are children, like we are blind Bartimaeus, and you're here to say, I'm ready to receive, I'm ready to change, I'm ready to stop being scared, I'm ready to stop thinking I'm selfish, I'm ready to receive, I'm ready to receive. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would blow through this room right now in the name of Jesus. And for those of you who have, who have never even met Christ and you don't even, you're maybe you're investigating him right now, maybe it's the time when you need to give your life to Christ. So what I'm gonna do is give you an opportunity just to repeat after me. You can say it in your heart. You can say it quietly, whichever way you want to do it. But I want you to say this. Father in heaven, I give you my heart and all the desires that are within it. I accept what your son has done for me. I accept that I cannot come to you alone. Because of my sin, I'm asking for your forgiveness so that I can become your son and daughter, so I can become the person I'm meant to be. Today, I choose a relationship with you so I can become who you want me to be. And if you've said that prayer for the first time, I want you to take a moment after the service to come up and tell me or to tell one of our workers here because we want to get to know you. But for the rest of you, keep your hands up because I'm going to pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, may you become who you're meant to become. May your desires come to the surface. May you start to discover what God has called you to be, to be more than just a blind person, to be more than who you are today so that we will be ready to receive everything that God is trying to give us. We ask this in your precious son's name. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And all God's people gave a shout of joy.